This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 93 with guest Rachel D'Alto. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 93. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome back and thank you so much for being here and sharing part of your life with me on the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. And I have a couple of announcements to make before we get into our guest today, which I'm very excited about, as usual. The first thing is I'm really excited for next week. Next week's podcast is our very first episode from you guys, listener Q&A. We're going to start doing that every several podcast episodes. Whenever y'all send me your questions, I will be happy to answer them on the podcast. And so I got a couple of you that sent in some questions, and I'm very excited to answer them for you. That will be next week. So if you have a question that you would like me to answer, please feel free to send us an email at support at yourkickasslife.com or you can reply to any of the emails that come from us. Give me as much detail as possible because that helps me answer the question a little bit more. When they're really short, I'm like, oh, I need more information. And if I do need more information, I will just simply ask for more information. But I'm really excited to be able to do this for you and, and answer your questions. And your questions help so many people. Please know that. Please know that you're not the only one that has questions about life and how to really just live your kick-ass life. So please send us your questions. I'm happy to get to them. The other announcement that I have, Amy Smith and I are hosting a free workshop tomorrow, April 7th and Friday, April 8th. If you can join us, that would be super awesome. And what we are going to talk about is self-love, one of my favorite topics to talk about. It is probably going to be longer than an hour. So when you sign up, make sure that you block out your calendar to give yourself enough time to come and join us. It's going to be live. The one on April 7th, I believe is in the evening. And the one on the 8th on Friday is during the day. Depends on what time zone you're in. But if you go to the selfloverevolution.com, easy peasy, you can pick one and sign up. We are going to talk about things like how to speak kindly to yourself instead of beating yourself up. We all know that's one of my favorite topics, right? We're going to talk about how to gain more self-worth and self-confidence. We have one tool that we're going to give you. We're really, really pumped about that. And we are going to talk about dealing with your emotions, feelings, instead of blaming, lashing out, avoiding, hiding, falling face first into a bottle of wine or an entire pizza. You know how that goes, I'm sure. So Amy and I thought long and hard about this curriculum that we're going to share with you. It is jam-packed full of actual content and tools that you can use right away and walk away with. These aren't like super heavy tools that you need to like spend hours working on. These are things that you can simply use. They're practical and you can walk away from the workshop having tools to make your life better. That's what we all want. So the selfloverevolution.com to sign up. Again, two different options. And we're giving away prizes, guys. We're giving away prizes for any of you that actually come live to the workshop. You have to come live to win the prizes. And it's just fun. It's fun. There's a little chat box and we get to interact with you. And Amy and I always love working together. We're very excited to be able to offer this to you. So again, theselfloverevolution.com. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Rachel D'Alto 
is a communication and relationship expert, coach, hypnotherapist, motivational and keynote speaker, media personality, and author of the bestseller, Flirt Fearlessly. Rachel works one-on-one as a consultant and in workshop settings to develop goals and remove blocks that are preventing success. Rachel has been featured on a multitude of media outlets like Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, The Steve Harvey Show, Fox News, Cosmopolitan, and Glamour. Rachel is also a frequent TEDx speaker and an actual personal friend of mine. I love this girl, and I think that you will love her too. So without further ado, here is Rachel. Hey. 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 I met Rachel at Soul Camp, and what was funny is that they paired us up. And we didn't know each other at first. And I misinterpreted being paired up. And I thought that because we were paired up, we had to like co-create a class together. And I think I told you the story already, but I looked you up online and I was like, this chick talks about relationships and that is not my thing. So I don't know. I was all panicked. And they're like, no, no, we paired you up to speak back to back with each other. And we just thought your personalities might match. And they were right. They were. I think they were brilliant. Like me, you guys. I fell in love you with you. Have, yeah, you have to go out and listen to and read everything that Rachel's written. And I just adore you. And I'm so glad that you're here to meet my ass kickers and talk to them about relationships and love. Love. You ready, Freddie? I'm so ready. Okay. So I know that you love to talk about healthy relationships with yourself and with others. So let's start with others, healthy relationship with others. Where do people even start with this? And that's a really general question, but like, where do people go wrong? Where do people start to try and maybe fix it? And it's interesting because there's so many ways to answer this and there's so many routes that you can get into a healthy relationship, but there's three things. And I, I sound like the TV person, like there's three things that you need to do. <laughs> Give us your sound bites. <laughs> and they are sound bites, but it also helps people remember. So I don't want to be totally lame, but I have like an ABCs of healthy relationships with other people. And the first one is something that I think you are kick-ass at and it's being authentic. And mm-hmm. I think what the biggest problem that I have seen over and over and over again in relationships is... People are afraid to show their true selves. And what does that do in a relationship? It gives you a a false sense of connection because you're not real. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when people talk about rose-colored glasses when you first meet someone. It's because everybody's fake. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's not showing. We all have sides to us and that's okay. And we're supposed to show all that and show exactly how we are to people. And I think when you are authentic, you automatically set the relationship. It might not be with everybody that you want to be in a relationship with. And I'm talking about love and friendship because not everybody can take your authentic self and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So having that authenticity is so utterly unimportant. Before you move on to the next part of that, and it's tricky because You know, we go on these first dates with people and we obviously want to make good first impression and we don't want to like throw up all of our scars (laughs) onto the table on the first date, you know, because that's what I do and have this vulnerability hangover. But I'm a firm believer that that's kind of built over time. So I'm sure that's what you're talking about, right? Like not all on the first date, like not all of our authentic self, but in bits and pieces as it's organically let out, right? Exactly. And don't feel like you have to be a different person. When I think about authenticity, it really is embracing your quirky side, embracing Mm -hmm. your nerd side, embracing all the sides of you that you might not think are adorable and lovable, but they all are. And then yes, eventually getting to that deep vulnerability with a person. I think authenticity in that sense is definitely something more down the road when you have a connection. But again, yes, being authentic with them and and letting them know what your pain points are and finding some 
someone who you feel safe enough to trust with them. And that's a big thing. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that because a few months ago I had, I talked to my audience a lot about like having that one person that you can tell like all of your story to, like all the parts of yourself that your inner critic makes up. If you tell someone that, they're not going to love you anymore. They're going to reject you. Like we all have those stories. And my person is my best friend, Amy. And so I was telling her this thing, like I had this revelation about something and I was telling her about it. It was pretty vulnerable and it was really kind of raw as it was happening. And I thought to myself, and I said it out loud, I'm like, I should probably tell Jason about this, even though it didn't have anything to do with him. It was my stuff. And Amy's like, you absolutely should tell Jason about this. And it took me a few days, but I did talk to him about it. And I was really open and told him. And I said, this is like an example of something that I deep down make up that if you knew this about me, that you wouldn't love me anymore. And my friend made a good point. And she's like, you can't expect him to be vulnerable with you if you are selectively vulnerable about what you put out there. So I was like, damn it, totally got called out. (laughs) Yeah, so true. I mean, absolutely. And that's the thing. And you're going to get what you give. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So did did you talk to him about it? I did. I did. And it went really, really well. And I like to tell these stories to my audience because I think some people make up. I have this like perfect marriage and everything's really easy for me to share. And I did notice that like I didn't make eye contact with him. Like that was still kind of hard, you know, and I'm like fidgeting with the pillow and, but you know, once it's done and over and he didn't run away screaming and he just like nodded his head and was like, yeah, I could see how that would be hard for you. You know? And I'm like, oh my God, the world didn't like stop turning. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) It still can be hard with people that we're married to, but it's, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you ready for number two? I am ready for number two. (laughs) Yes, please give it to us. Number two, which is actually B, is all about boundaries. And that's really something that I think, I'm sure you talk about this as well a lot. And what I see in healthy relationships is that people know that they're allowed to set boundaries and you don't have to give everything of yourself and receive nothing in return. And you know that you have people and and everybody has that person in their life that doesn't respect your boundaries. And every time that you feel like you have to talk to them or meet with them, that they suck that energy out of you. And it just... It leads us into our discussion about that relationship with ourselves, but it also, it's a line of respect. And that's something that I see over and over is so necessary in a healthy relationship is having that, that line of respect. And, and people think how do boundaries help me in a relationship? Doesn't it mean that I'm closing myself off or cutting a tie or something? And the fact is, is that when you set a boundary, it creates respect from the other person because they see that you have some sort of form to you as opposed to some amoeba, which just kind of goes with the flow and expands and contracts based on the other person. And the energy that you save from that allows you to be present and really step up into that relationship in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Ugh. I think boundaries is so tricky for people because I find that a lot of people look at boundaries as like it's black or white. Either I completely cut this person out or I let all of them into my life and let them like suck all the energy out of me. And that doesn't have to be the case. What I recommend to people is if you feel like you are in a place where you need to set a boundary with someone, learn all you can and read all you can about setting boundaries. Like there are so many self-help books that are great out there about boundaries or talk to your therapist about it. I think that setting boundaries is kind of like an art you know, it's like, yeah. and it's not just the setting of the boundary, it's the following through. Because when you set a boundary, that boundary is bound to be crossed by that person that you've set it with. So it's like, what do you do in those moments? I see a lot of people, you know, kind of like renege the setting of it and just kind of fall apart and don't know what to do. So the follow through is difficult as well. 
Yeah. And it's one of those things too. It's not just in those romantic relationships, but I had a situation, for example, where I had to set a boundary with a friend. And I don't think to this day that she knows that I set the boundary. Her name is Bandria. Yeah, just poor Bandria. <laughs> we'll just call her Drea. But this woman, she is amazing and sweet and awesome. But there was a lot of necessary contact on her part where I felt so overwhelmed with every conversation because she did so much. And I had to cut back a little bit. And it wasn't that I don't want to be friends with her. It wasn't that I don't want her in my life. It's just I know when I can do that and when I can't. And when I can't, I need to step away from it and I need to protect myself and my own energy. It doesn't have to be, she's not my friend anymore because like a drain sometimes, you know, we've been friends for 20 years, (laughs) so I have to keep her around or I don't have what I want to. And when I can set that boundary and say, okay, I don't want to talk to her now. I'll talk to her tomorrow. I'll call her back another time. You know, it, it gives you kind of that flexibility to still have these people in your life, but understand that you don't have to always give yourself up to them and just be a free flowing ball of energy. I'm curious about it because I think that this happens to a lot of people and I love your examples. I want to ask, did you have a conversation with her or did you just sort of like take control of invitations you will and won't accept? Oh my gosh, I've done this before. I did this in my 20s and I now feel so bad about it. I just ghosted somebody. Mm. You know, like back then we didn't have a term for it, but like that's what I did. I feel badly about it. And I even wrote about that in my book and I kind of want to like make an addendum and just be like, don't do that. I don't know. What is your take on that and what people should do? I definitely have ghosted my fair share of people, men and women, in my life that I couldn't handle. But in this case, and especially in a case where you do want a relationship, we're talking about healthy relationships. We're not talking about healthy endings. You want to be as honest as you can be without being hurtful. And I didn't ever have a conversation with her about it, but I didn't always accept the call. I didn't always call right back. I kind of set the pace for the communication and the contact in a way that felt good to me and let her adjust to that. And not to say that that's the most healthy way to do it. But at the same time, you have to look at who you're dealing with. And Mm -hmm. if they're super sensitive to have a conversation and say, you know what, you drain me isn't going to be as productive as saying, you know what, I'm really busy right now. Can we talk tomorrow or the next day? And yeah, I'd love to get together with you, but I just can't do it this weekend. What about later on in the month or Mm -hmm. something like that, where you're creating that distance and you're creating some sort of wall, essentially, that's on your terms without coming out and being really awkward. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes those conversations, as much as I'm all about communication, they're really hard. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I have been on the receiving end of one of those conversations. And it's interesting. The person did kind of like what you said, and she was sort of like modeling this new friendship that we had. And I asked her and I'm like, what's going on? And she told me, I asked for it. You know, I, I asked what was going on and she told me and it was painful. And I know it was really awkward for her. That's just like kind of like modeling a new way of being. And I think too, it's safe to say, like, be prepared for the conversation if that person brings it up and asks what's going on. Sure. And there's a way to do it with kindness, I think. I was just going to say, there's always a way and, you know, not to skip ahead, but the C of my ABCs is communication. There's a way to communicate anything that's awkward or painful in a way that's kind and pathetic. And in this situation, if I ever had to have that conversation, it would come from a place of, I understand what you need in relationships. I understand what you need from me. I can't give that to you right now. 
but I love you and I respect you and I want to be your friend and understanding that all of those awkward conversations, they can be tapered in a way that doesn't feel so harsh. I think we forget that we can take a breath and think before we speak sometimes right. <laughs> because we just have so much to say. And the more fired up you are or the more annoyed you are at someone, especially, oh my gosh, when you're talking about boundaries and people that you're setting them with, a lot of times there's a lot of pain and frustration and anger and sadness set with that person that those conversations automatically end up easier to ignite than others. Mm So self-awareness is everything. Understanding that you can be self-aware enough to say, you know, it could be your mom. I work with a lot of people that their hardest relationship is their mom. Absolutely. And it's like, you have however many years of life that's built into being annoyed at her or frustrated or sad or angry. And when you set those boundaries and you have a conversation about it, it's not the opportunity to lay it all out on the table and verbal diarrhea of everything wrong she's ever done. That's not going to be helpful. What is going to be helpful is if you understand that, yes, I might be coming from a place of frustration or prior anger, but I'm going to say, you know what? I just can't do this today, or I can't give you everything that you need all the time. And that's okay. And I understand that you need that and validating her for that, but then allowing yourself the space to set that boundary. I love that. And I think that one of the things that has helped me so much generally speaking, in in relationships with other people. And when you have to have those conversations with someone anywhere they are on the spectrum of pain for that other person is that, yes, my words might be the cause of their hurt feelings. However, I am not responsible for their emotional well-being. And that's something that like my therapist has repeated so much for me, so many times to me, because like I would take on the emotions of everyone around me and especially the people that I cared about that, you know, it's like I wanted to take care of them. It's a control issue for one, but it's like a caring thing too. You know, my therapist has had to remind me, Andrea, these are grown people. They are humans and they're resilient and they might be in pain, but you're not responsible for their feelings. Little reminder for everybody else out there. Yeah, absolutely. And also when you have those really weird conversations that could become very awkward or heated, understand that their reaction to it really has nothing to do with you or that conversation. You might be hitting a nerve or mm-hmm. hitting something that, that something. reminds them. Yeah. And bring them to something way beyond just the two of you. So yes. don't let that be something that deters getting in the way. Hold you back. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you talked a little bit about healthy relationships with yourself. Is there anything else that's really important that we all need to know and take notes on? I think the biggest thing above all in terms of the way that you present yourself in a relationship in any situation is to do it from that place of kindness and to do it empathetically and with compassion and understand that the more that you do that in any situation, I've seen this as an experiment, even a flight back from Miami and everybody was so obnoxious and cranky and tired because it was early. But even in that situation, talking to them from a place of understanding changed the vibe of everybody around me. And we all have that ability. And I think no matter what relationship we're talking about, if you really take a moment to breathe out all the crap that you take in, that you want to just unleash on someone and let that go first and then start to connect with people, it changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. So you also like to talk about healing your broken heart. And I know everyone listening has been brokenhearted before, and maybe some people listening are brokenhearted right now. So what should people do to start that healing process? It's definitely a process. And I think that's probably the first thing to recognize is that depending on how hard it was broken and how much love was in that situation, understanding that that you need to take the time to let that heal. And also 
really allowing yourself to see the positivity still. And this is something that I see over and over again is when you have a broken heart, you want to hate the person Mm -hmm. and you want to hate the relationship and you want to regret everything and wish it never happened because if it never happened, you wouldn't have had that pain. But I think the thing that I have found is the most helpful is to change that perspective and understand that every single relationship has a purpose. And every relationship that you've ever been in has taught you something. And even when you're in that brokenhearted stage, it's hard to see the forest for the trees at that point, because you just have so much pain, but understanding that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of understanding why it happened. And I've been through this, my God, I went through this this year where I was totally brokenhearted. And it took some time of nurturing where I would say I kind of went into a self-care hibernation, which Mm -hmm. to me involved a lot of marshmallows, sleeping (laughs) and massages. I mean, not in that order. (laughs) But it's like when you think about a wound, when you get cut, first you want to stop the bleeding Mm -hmm. because you would bleed out and die and that would be bad. Mm -hmm. So don't die. And then after you stop the bleeding, it's kind of maintenance. It's figuring out how do I make this pain less painful? And for me, it was really looking at, okay, this ended and that's sad and I'm going to miss this person, but why did it end? And what did I learn? What did I gain from that relationship? Not to say that it takes away all the pain, because I think there's always going to be a scar in your heart from big loves. And I think we all have many big loves in our lives. So the scars are still there, but but I think what they are is really kind of like war paint Mm -hmm, (laughs) because mm -hmm. I've allowed myself to recover from those, understand how beautiful they were in the moment, how essential they were to my growth, and then moving on to a place of, okay, next is bigger and better. And I think that's something too that people forget. And if you are really tapping into this growth, because again, they really are just for our growth and benefit. If you understand that this is for your growth and benefit, each person that you date or love or marry or whatever you do with them next is the next level. So understand that if it's not meant with this person, bigger and better is coming or at least just better Mm -hmm. to the bigger. I love that. And that's the whole, you know, like finding the gift that can be so hard. And I think like for anyone listening, that's like just fresh in your broken heartedness, like probably wants to punch us in the face for saying oh, that. Got I think I punched I, myself in the face for you. So <laughs> I get that. And that's where the marshmallows, the massages and the sleep. Right. Come in. Right. That's much later. But I think too, like for me, what was really helpful in healing my broken heart is, and this for someone who feels like they've been hurt or betrayed by someone that they were in a relationship with is forgiveness is forgiving mm-hmm. That person for what they did to you, even if they never ask for it, even if there's still a total is forgiving them. And I think for me, like a huge point in kind of turning the corner really in like healing the broken heart. And I love that you said too, that we don't ever like get to a place where I think we're completely and utterly healed and recovered from it. I think like you said, like all of us have the names of our, you know, former lovers like scarred on our heart. And that's, I think part of life. And it's kind of like what shapes us and makes us who we are. And, but yeah, I thought for me, forgiveness was a big, big part of it. Yeah. Forgiveness is huge. And that's again, the people that just got hurt by someone who may listen to this, they now are punching us elsewhere. Uh, (laughs) Like if you only knew what he did. Yeah. And I get that. And I think you made a big point is forgiveness isn't about them. It's not about what they did wrong. And there's a powerful quote that I'm totally going to misquote, but it's talking about there's so much benefit to forgiving someone, even when you haven't received an apology, Mm -hmm. because they don't have to be sorry for you to forgive them because it releases you from that energetic attachment to their wrong and allowing that to move forward is a beautiful gift to yourself. And again, it might not happen 
right away, but there comes a point in any relationship. And I do a lot of forgiveness work with people in other relationships with their families. Oh my God, (laughs) our families, there's so much stuff attached to that. But once you can forgive that person and move forward, it's such a gift. Absolutely. So speaking of the work that you do with people, talk to us about hypnosis and what you do, because I've been present during one of your sessions and it was sort of like, if I had to describe it to somebody, I'm like, it was kind of like a guided meditation. So is that the same thing? Yes. So, I mean, it's different private versus public. So we did a group hypnosis and group hypnosis is exactly like a guided meditation. It's meditation with a goal attached to it. So Mm -hmm. hypnosis is just getting you to a really relaxed place where you can chill out and your subconscious mind is more pliable is a good Mm -hmm. word for that. So we get in there and we can change limiting beliefs and really kind of insert suggestions to improve your life. So it's not like a mind takeover. Anyone who's (laughs) ever seen a stage show, those people want to quack and they want to bark. And there's a part of them within that when they get to that relaxed state and they forget that there's a whole crowd around them, things change. So I can't take over and pilot someone's brain, thank God, because I have a hard enough time piloting my own. Mm -hmm. So in that group hypnosis, we just got to that place and did like a guided meditation. And then I do private hypnosis, which is parts therapy. So we all we all have a million parts of us that make up who we are subconsciously. And, you know, typically people come to me, even like with weight loss, people come to me to lose weight. And I'm like, well, the weight is not it. There's always something underneath of it. So we talk to the part of them that's having trouble losing weight and we find out why. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times it's something so far from what they thought it was. And that's where that real healing comes from. But, you know, you can do a lot of energetic things in hypnosis too. You know, we talked about forgiveness. I've worked energetically to help people forgive their parents and forgive their past lovers and to move on. And it just clears a space for people to move forward in a beautiful way. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That was news to me. I didn't know that you did parts work. I think that's so important. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, I believe it's like the closest thing to magic on earth because it's so amazing how quickly it works on people. If they are open and they're tapped Mm -hmm. into that change, my favorite story, I'll tell her super quick. She came to me for a fear of flying and she was terrified of flying to the point where she was getting anxiety going on Expedia to book a plane ticket. Couldn't even do that. And she came to me and she thought it was because of a traumatic car accident that had happened. And it turned out in parts therapy, because we talked to the part over there that was afraid, she ended up regressing back to a time when she was a young child and lost her mom in a crowd. And Mm. that was the entire root of it. And now that we found that awareness, she's able to fly, she can go on trains and it was in two sessions. So parts therapy is freaking phenomenal. I love that. I mean, I haven't done that much work on it myself. I mean, kind of on accident. And I love Debbie Ford's The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. But it's basically like she talks about your shadow side and that we all have this like kind of dark side of us. And I read that book a long time ago in the beginning of my personal development journey. So we'll link to it in the show notes. And you guys, by the way, the show notes are at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 93. And we'll link to Rachel's stuff. And of course that book. So, okay. Tell us something that you do for yourself regularly that you think is the key to your own self-love. Cause I know you talk about self-love a lot. Yes. And honestly, this is going to make you laugh and make people raise their eyebrows. Is it but vibrators? 
No, but that's what everybody thinks self-love is. So I'm going to masturbate. And I'm like, "Mm, I mean, you can. Go for it. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you back. But what I do is I really make sure I get what I need physically. And this is something that it seems like too easy. But for me, it's like sleep Mm -hmm. and fueling my body. I joke about marshmallows, but I do try to fuel my body in a way that keeps me energetically together. And for me, I know I need sleep and I'm working on this project now where we're filming 16 hour days and I'm leaving lunch to go take a nap. Yeah, you nap more than like newborns. If I had my ideal life, I would just be eating, pooping and sleeping. You also make no apologies for it. Shows that you know like where you need to be to be at like your best self and you're not going to apologize for it. At all. And I think that everybody knows what they need innately and we just choose to ignore it because of someone else. And we're too busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-love to me is putting yourself first to get yourself in the best possible position. Because for me, sleep, I know that I need sleep. And when I don't sleep, I'm lunatic Mm -hmm. and I can't be who I need to be. And I meditate and I begrudgingly work out. I freaking hate working out. It makes the body feel better jerks. Oh, you're so funny. They message like, I hate the gym, but you go and do that. And, yeah, <laughs> All in the name of self-love, my dear. Wait. Yes. Okay. I have one more question for you. And it's a question that I ask most of my guests. And I love it because the answer is always different. But what surprises you about the work you do with women? I think how complicated women are is in contrast to men. We have so many different things that we care about that make us tick, that make us pissed. And it's so interesting to me because I do work with men and women both. And when I can compare the two, you know, we like to kind of put men in a corner of what really bothers them. And a lot of the stuff that bothers them bothers us. But then we have like seven. 17 more levels to it. So we're, we're very complicated. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I love us. <laughs> you know, I want to tag on to that. Like, because I think that maybe what I make up that this is kind of what that might be pointing to is that by complicated, I would probably use the word emotional. And I don't mean to like sound so stereotypical and like the feminists out there are probably like turning the podcast off right now, but I think that we are more in touch with our emotions than men tend to be. So therefore we can tend to tap into them more so. But I think that where things get messy is women and men too, but just particularly when emotions come up, they get denied. And this probably goes back to family of origin stuff where we were made to feel wrong for our feelings. And that's why I was rereading Brene Brown's Rising Strong. And she talks about getting curious about emotion. She calls it rumbling with emotions. And that's something I've learned over the last few years. It's like when stuff comes up, instead of denying it, which I got really good at, or offloading it, like lashing out at somebody else because I don't like the way this feels, you know, blaming somebody. I get curious about that. And I'm like, why am I so upset about this? Why am I flushing with shame right now? Why am I so frustrated? with that person. Something's deeper. So it's about kind of like uncovering the layers for me. Yeah. And there's a lot of layers. And I mm-hmm. think the, the beauty of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the beauty of women is we're more open to exploring that and we're more open to diving into those layers and the awareness that comes from that. And the beauty of complexity, I think is something amazing too, is that because of that, it's like, we just have so many different angles. You know, we're not just a box. We're right. not just a circle. We're like a hexagram on top of an <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, true. Yep. I absolutely adore that answer. And I adore you, Rachel D'Alto. And thank you so much for being here. And you guys, all the show notes, yourkickasslife.com forward slash 93. Tell people where they can find you and where they can come to say hi to you. Rachel D'Alto on all social media. I am all about Instagram. So come find me there. And then my website's just racheldialto.com. I like to keep it simple. 
good. All right. Well, thanks again so much for being here, you guys. And thank you so much for listening. All my ass kicking ladies. I adore you for being here. I appreciate you so very much. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.